there. This is How to Choose, the show that helps you make better decisions and improve your judgment. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tessa. And I'm Ken. And this is season five of How to Choose. So what's this season all about? Season five? Well, we're going to look at eight characteristics of good decision makers. But before we start, Tess, can you just talk a bit about growth versus fixed mindset? Because I think it is a really important point to reestablish before we start this season. So important. And I really do hope that all of us are going into this season with a growth mindset. But in a nutshell, a fixed mindset says, I don't have these characteristics. That's not me. Sad face. Uh, For example, you might say, I'm not good at sport. Whereas a growth mindset says, I don't have all these characteristics yet. What do I need to do to develop them? You know, maybe you need to go out and start throwing a ball around or go for a walk and then a jog and then a run. Exactly. So, and I can say this 100% right now, all of us will have some of these characteristics, but all of us will also need to work on some of these characteristics. And in this season, we'll endeavor to explain why these characteristics are important for decision-making, but more importantly, also explain how we can develop them. So, Ken, what are we talking about in this episode? Well, in this first episode of the season, we're going to talk about the value of being curious. Are you someone who often finds themselves lost in a rabbit hole on the internet, unsure of how you got there? Then you are a curious person. Now, let's maybe start by playing a little word association, test. Who or what springs to mind when I say the word curious? So my immediate reaction is Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, curiouser and curiouser. (laughs) And then next would be Albert Einstein and just scientists in general. Yeah, interesting. One thing that I thought about when I I thought about the word is those pioneering explorers. And I recently listened to an audio version of the book Alone on the Ice, which is the story of the Antarctic explorer Douglas Mawson and his team. You may or may not have heard of Mawson, but This is an incredible story. I will say it's fundamentally not a triumphant story in the traditional sense. It's a harrowing tale of survival against all the odds. And as I listened, I kept asking myself, why? Why are they putting themselves through this terrible, terrible situation? And look, I know there's a lot of things that motivated uh, early explorers, particularly those that were you know, going out as part of a colonizing force that were looking for, you know, for glory and gold. But, you know, I think it's a completely different motivation for those that were doing uh, different kinds of exploration. I mean, polar exploration, absolutely, there was an element of glory there. But I think there had to be a deep curiosity about what was out there. And that came across. Mawson himself was a geologist. So he was a scientist that actually was exploring because he was really curious about you know, how uh, these areas were formed. And I was chatting recently with a listener and close friend, Nick. So hello, Nick, because I know that you're listening. And Nick has recently taken up the hobby of astrophotography. Have you heard of this before, Tess? I've never heard of it, but I imagine that it's focused on the stars. It is. It's focused on the stars. Astrophotography, it's the process of integrating a camera and a telescope to photograph the stars and take some of those incredible images that you might have seen of 
features that are out in the universe. And as Nick was describing this over a coffee, his face lit up in a way that I hadn't seen for a really long time. Now, it might have been the delicious flat white that he was drinking, but I don't think so. I think that Nick loved the opportunity that this hobby offered him to probe the secrets of the universe. It fed his innate curiosity. And I experienced something similar recently. So we were on a trip in Japan and my wife and I were snorkeling in the waters around Okinawa. Technically, it wasn't snorkeling because we didn't have snorkels. We just had a mask. So there was a fair bit of puffing and trying not to drown. But it was incredible because we were able to look at these underwater habitats. I spotted a, a clownfish coming out of an anemone, and it was just incredible. Yeah, there's something about being underwater that really focuses your attention, doesn't it? You're just so fully immersed in looking and taking in all these new things around you. Your mind is not thinking about its to-do list. It's just too focused on taking in all this exciting visual stimuli. Yeah, that's right. And I think that curiosity is an innate characteristic. Now, you just need to look at children. Look at all the questions that they ask. My kids are quite grown up now, and I'd forgotten how many questions they used to ask me. But my neighbors have two little boys, and they're always shouting out questions to their parents. Now, recently, I chatted with two very interesting women, Kathy Taberner and Kirsten Siggins, who are a mother and daughter team who co-authored a book, The Power of Curiosity. I've pulled together a couple of snippets from that interview in, in a clip, if I can play that for you now, but we'll release the interview in its entirety as a bonus episode this season. So look out for that. That'll come out very shortly after this episode, if you're keen to hear more. But let's take a listen to hear what Kathy and Kirsten have to say. All right. Well, I'm very pleased to introduce our guests today, uh, Kirsten Siggins and Kathy Taberner. And Kathy and Kirsten are based in British Columbia, Canada, and they're the co-founders of the Institute of Curiosity, which is a boutique coaching and consulting firm that specializes in effective conversation skills for work and parenting. Kirsten and Kathy work with growth-minded entrepreneurs, small businesses, and professionals and help them develop the workplace communication skills needed to succeed. They're also the co-authors of a great book that I've just finished called The Power of Curiosity. So Kirsten and Kathy, welcome to How to Choose. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Kirsten, when we were exchanging messages ahead of the interview, you made a comment that really piqued my curiosity. And you'd said that almost everyone believes they are curious that we all have those passions that that we like to learn about, but where most people are not curious is in conversations. Yeah, well, I think that was, for me, that was the aha moment because, I mean, when we do workshops and we ask, how many of you are curious? Like, inevitably, every hand goes up because we all have passions, we read books, you know, there are things that we're curious about in life. But when we have conversations, what we learned was that that's where we're not curious. And part of that is, I think, culturally, society, you know, it depends on where you live. But generally speaking, we're rewarded for and we're taught to be an expert, speak up, speak your mind, be an expert. I know for myself, I thought it was an amazing listener. I thought it was amazing communicator. I mean, that's what I was hired for. I worked in the entertainment industry. I worked as a producer, like there were things at my job. That's what I was hired for. And so it wasn't until I had kids and we started doing this work where I realized I actually am not listening. And I'm not a great communicator. I'm a great teller. I'm a great fixer and solver. And I'm a great judger. But I'm not curious in my conversations to better understand the perspectives of others. And that 
is the superpower of curiosity and conversations. And so we've been doing this for about, what, 15 years, mom-ish, maybe more, or close to 20. And, you know, even when we work with professionals and we do workshops with professionals, professional communicators, that is inevitably the piece that always comes back where it's like, yeah, I'm not curious in my conversations. I like to tell, I like to judge, and we blame and shame, and we don't even realize that we're doing it right? It's like this old muscle. It's just this habit in our conversations. And then that, and that also leads to conflict. I think it's important to remember, you know, when you're not curious in a conversation and you're judging and blaming and shaming, not intentionally, but it happens, that leads to conflict. Whereas in curiosity, you're focused on the speaker. You're listening to understand. You're listening to understand the perspectives of others. We're not saying you have to like and agree with what they're saying. The goal is just to understand where people are coming from and that's, you, you have better conversations. That's how you deepen your relationships. And it's also how you move your business forward. So it's this really interesting thing because I think curiosity right now is having a big moment about being more curious in our life. And I think that's really important. But Kathy and I would say it's even more important to be curious in your conversations. And kids are so curious when they're young, right? Like they're just, they want to know and they're sponges. And so what gets harder as, you know, as the kids start asking more questions, this happens at school as well. It's seen as pushback from parents, right? Parents take it as pushback. And when I'm working with parents, I'll say to them, do you want an obedient kid or do you want a critical thinking kid? And we all want critical thinking kids until we're having conversations where we're like, I want an obedient kid, right? Like I don't want to have this pushback. <laughs> and that's where you get into the conflict. And so it's one of those things like we don't give kids what I, I see quite often and I hear from my kids all the time is we shut them down where we don't want to hear. We don't want to answer that. We don't have time. We don't know. We want them to just do it. We got to get out the door, whatever it may be, or they want something and they're pushing back. And we, again, we're just like, why won't you just do what I say? We want them to be obedient. It's the same in the classroom. You know, when kids stand up for themselves or they ask for something, often they're penalized for it because it's seen as pushback. And then we throw them out into the world and we want them to go have jobs and work in teams and advocate for themselves and stand for something. And yet in their formative years, we never gave them that opportunity. I think that people forget social media has made such an impact on us from the perspective of, and, and the internet, where we think that we're critical thinking, we have an opinion, we go online, we do our research, but just as you were saying, we keep it in isolation rather than actually having a conversation with others to collect different data points and different perspectives. But social media has also done this thing where we now live in these algorithms, right? So like if you're on social media and it's beautifully curated and you you love everything and then something that you don't like or do, you don't agree with, people will just like unfollow and they cut it out of their life. And we now do that in real life. We don't want to hear different perspectives. We don't want to hear different opinions. We really find friend groups that keep us together. And so it's, as you were saying that, it's reminding ourselves like, yeah, the absorb is really important, but we have to be open to listening to other perspectives first. And there's, and it's great that you're curious that, that what do you think question, but it's reminding ourselves like how many perspectives that we don't agree with are we listening to online? How many friends are we seeking out that have different perspectives that we're open to listening to? Because often we live, it's like an, I call it the algorithm effect. We live in our own algorithm and we're not even aware of what's going on outside of it. Well, Ken, that was great. 
And I was really surprised by their comment that everyone believes that they are curious. You know, we all do have an area of curiosity, whether it's work or a hobby or a passion project. But most people are not curious in conversations, which actually wasn't that surprising as I've definitely experienced this many times on uh, both ends. Uh, And we have talked about this before, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. So many of us listen only in order to be poised to respond. You know, we aren't actually actively listening and curious when we're having conversations with people. And that point about listening to understand did really jump out at me. Yeah, me too. I think that was a real takeaway for me. I could certainly relate. And I think having become aware of it, I'm a lot more careful now to try to focus and be in the moment to to hear what people are saying and to not just be formulating my next point because that's what we so often do. And it's pretty clear that if we are interrupting people that we we're probably not really listening, but it's worth having a listen to that interview in total because they have some really interesting points. But if we draw this back to decision-making, good decision-makers are curious to understand different perspectives and different points of view. They're also interested to explore their environment in the same way that Nick has been exploring the stars, but that curiosity leads them to try different options, to test the world around them. Now, curiosity had survival benefits for our ancestors because a curious individual is alert to new information and to changes to their surroundings. And on some occasions, those changes would have been the difference between life and death. Yeah, and in contrast to refuse risk, to refuse to try and test, is to drastically reduce your range of options when it comes to decision-making. And sometimes that's fine. You know, if you find a meal you like at your local restaurant, you don't need to go out and try every other option on the menu just to be sure. However, if you consider that a particular decision is important enough, you will want to explore options before making your choice. Yeah, that's right. And I think extending from that, curiosity helps us to avoid settling for a quick but unsuitable option. Now, if you're trying to select a new employee to join your team, and that's something I've been doing in the last couple of weeks, it's quite a big process, isn't it? You probably don't want to just pick the first suitable person that you interview and then not even interview anyone else. And in the same way, you're unlikely to marry the very first person you meet who might be willing to say yes. Curiosity can help us overcome our tendency to make those quick judgments and decisions. It's something we've talked about a lot. It's what Daniel Kahneman talks uh, about as that system one thinking, the tendency to make our judgments quickly and to stick with them. Instead, curiosity prompts us to think a bit harder, to look a bit closer, to scratch the surface and see what lies beneath. And as a side note, curiosity is a really great way to overcome prejudices too. It it helps us to want to understand more than to quickly judge. Mm. And curiosity does something else too. While you're exploring your options, you're actually learning about yourself. As you're exposed to more options, you learn more about what you like and what you value. Yeah, that's a good point. Can you think of any examples from your own life, Tess? Probably the most recent is uh, my the process of buying a house. Oh, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. We've only had the the keys for a few weeks, so it's all very fresh. But I think for me, the whole process highlighted how exploring options help you realize what you value. So if I had have written a list of the features that I was looking for, it's, it's really going to be quite different to what we actually bought. Because as we looked at options, talked to friends and family and researched features, 
we were learning and refining what was right for us. And sometimes you have to see things that don't work in order to realize what does. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Because it's matching reality with those abstract ideals that we think we need in, and that could be in a partner, right? My ideal partner would be, I think most of us have probably made that mental list at some point in our lives. But at some point, that list of ideals has to confront the reality of what the options are that are out there. So whether that's buying a house or finding a partner. And curiosity is really, I think it, it is that process of getting out and exploring what's out there. Mm. And there's an element of compromise too, because obviously we had to balance our budget with uh, with what we wanted. And I'm sure in a partner too, you know, there's there's who will compliment you and who is attracted to you versus what you actually want. Exactly. Now, there's also a lot of other demonstrated benefits of curiosity, which uh, probably transcend decision-making, but I think they're worth mentioning because if you're wondering at all why you should make the effort to be more curious, according to a 2022 BBC article, which is titled Curiosity, the Neglected Trait that Drives Success, uh, and I'll put a link to that in our show notes, curiosity also aids our memory. So if you're particularly curious about a topic, you're more likely to remember details. So in tests that they've done, subjects who were much more curious about a particular bit of information were 30% more likely to recall that fact. So if you're studying at the moment, you know if you can develop a sense of curiosity about the topic, you'll probably remember the information. It seems that the brain produces more dopamine, which can help to establish those new neural connections, which is very interesting. How curious, you might say. Curiosity, perhaps unsurprisingly, leads us to more innovation and idea linking. So building on an initial idea or thought with further ideas and concepts. It can also make people more open to listening to other people's opinions, which is what we've talked about. Kirsten and Kathy certainly talk about that in their book and in the interview. And curiosity generally contributes to greater job satisfaction and well-being in the workplace as well. So all really important stuff, Ken. So how do we actually increase this tendency? Let's have a bit of a think. We're all born with that natural curiosity. We want to touch everything that we find. And if you're an infant, you want to eat everything that you find. Little children, as we said, have that insatiable appetite for asking questions. Unfortunately, I think there's a few things that can stifle curiosity. So maybe addressing those things. Our educational system sometimes quenches curiosity just because as and I experienced this as a teacher, there's so much time pressure to get through a lesson plan and to get through a curriculum so that you've done enough to then be able to assess your students. You know, you can be made to feel like you are wasting people's time by being curious. So I think it's really important to reframe curiosity in learning environments. If you're an educator, make time for your students to be curious. I think another thing too is that we are afraid of appearing ignorant. I think most of us at some point have been embarrassed by asking a question that other people have laughed at. Uh, so we need to overcome that. We must make sure that our curiosity overcomes our pride and that we just ask those questions. Another thing too is that I think too much screen time can numb our curiosity. And I know my kids would probably say I'm just being a boomer, but I think that actually getting out in nature really rekindled curiosity for my friend Nick with his telescope, uh, for me with my goggles in the water, 
it's there's so much amazing stuff out there and, and around us. I think if we if we're buried inside in our rooms, we probably miss that. So maybe fueling curiosity by getting out a bit more can be, I think, a really good way to reinvigorate curiosity. Mm. And you can also train yourself to pause and ask, are there other options out there that I don't know about? Research shows that identifying those gaps in your knowledge can spark curiosity. Think about what you need to know to support your next decision, and that will enhance your sense of curiosity. Yeah, I think that's a really good one, actually. So yeah, identifying what you don't know and becoming interested to know more. Uh, So Ken, can you just recap those benefits of curiosity for decision makers? So look, we've talked about there's a, a broad range of benefits for being curious, but there are three important benefits for decision making. Number one, curiosity identifies a greater range of options. So that's helpful for us when we're in the early stages of making a decision. Number two, curiosity helps us to not settle for the first choice, which might be unsuitable. Number three, curiosity also teaches us about ourselves. It teaches us more about what we like, what we dislike, what our strengths and weaknesses are. And that self-knowledge can then help us make choices that are better targeted to our needs and our preferences. And Tess, is there anything else then for you? What's jumped out at you in this episode? For me, a key takeaway was that idea of listening to understand and that we really need to cultivate curiosity in all areas, not just those sort of natural passion projects that we have. What was your key takeaway, listener? Uh, And make sure you teach a friend. It'll help it stick. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune in for the rest of this season. And we'd really encourage you also subscribe to How to Choose. That way you won't miss any episodes when they drop. And you can visit us as well at goodbetterright.com.au. And next episode, we're focusing on our second characteristic of great decision makers, and that is being purposeful. How do we cultivate purpose to help aid decisions? Mm, Very interesting. (laughs) Bye for now. 